This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 76, Mr. Groovy. Hey Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Welsh. Katie, I am really fired up today. You know why? <laughs> why? I'm so tired of paying city rents. Oh. Like, you just, you know, you work so hard for your paycheck and then like, most of it's gone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I remember the days of hearing people talk about, oh, I pay $1,500 in rent a month. Right. And I remember thinking, you've lost your mind. Yeah. Like you're paying like, so much money. Why would you do that? And now. <laughs> and here we are with paying $2,000 a month in rent. If we could pay only $1,500 in I'd rent. I'd be so happy. <laughs> But yeah. like ultimately it comes down to, you know, where you're working and how your commute's going to be like. And I think a lot of people like are stuck in a similar kind of boat, you know, like do you decide to pay a higher rent and live closer to the city where you probably work or do you live further out and then you have to commute further? It's all location and you you really have to weigh your options. and. Yeah. For us to have moved out, we would have had to buy a car and car right. insurance. Yeah, so we're currently car-free for those who don't know. Oh, and we live in Washington, D.C. for those who don't know as well. Well, and car-free, like, personally, I love it. This yeah, has been, like, my favorite time. It's been super easy to get around the city. You know, like, I, I initially thought that not having a car would really be hard. But that being said, Uber is super cheap. It's like, what, less than five bucks anytime we go anywhere? Especially if you use your Ibotta app. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's just really affordable. And even to get to work, I metro to work, so it's all public transport. And it actually works pretty well. Yeah. So it really just depends on you and your living situation and where you are. And yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So our guest today has a similar situation when he was living in New York. In, on Long Island. Yeah. So should we dive into today's interview? Yes. Awesome. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today we have Mr. Groovy with us. Mr. and Mrs. Groovy are anonymous personal finance bloggers. They know that wanting to escape from the tyranny of big government and financial dependency is one thing, but knowing exactly how to do it is something completely different. 
a true groovy freaking freedomist is someone who has broken the freedom code and that's what we hope to do today hey hey dennis Katie, oh, it's so great talking to you. Yeah, we're so glad to have you on the show finally. I feel like I've been following you on Twitter you. and and reading all of your stuff, so I'm really glad to finally get to talk. Oh, thank you. And I can't believe you guys found my about section. I, I wrote that <laughs> I think back in 2015. I think I think I got to update it a little bit. I don't want to freak you out or anything, but I saw your entire website. I combed through like everything. Ah. <laughs> Katie's like a pretty good stalker, actually. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like a hidden talent. Oh, she's a sweetheart. <laughs> so, well, I know a whole bunch of stuff about you, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself that maybe you don't have posts on your blog? Oh. Well, yeah, my, my I, I'm pretty much an open book on my blog, and uh, but but here's one thing that my readers don't know about: I was 18 years old, and I got expelled from uh, Buffalo University. My freshman year. What? Why? <laughs> what did you do? Uh, uh, yeah, you would think, you know, so I did something very uh, grievous. Uh, actually, I mean, I'm not innocent, believe me. Uh, it involves some vandalism with a bathroom. Uh, I wasn't the only one involved. It was, uh, like I said, it sounds horrible, but we really just idiot guys, 18-year-olds. Uh, anyway, we... One guy damaged the stall door. Um, I went to the bathroom later. I kicked the stall door. It hit the toilet. The toilet shattered. So anyway, um, we figured, all right, we, we paid the bill. It wasn't a lot of money back then. This, we're talking 1980. I'm, I'm old. So back then, I think the bill was less than two, $275. So we had like four guys split the bill. And then the next thing you know, we all got expelled. Uh, they were cracking down on vandalism. I guess it got a little crazy. And, and I, looking back, I understand what they were doing. Anyway, so we were um, kicked off campus. Uh, I got a letter from the president of the university who said I was a clear and present danger to the, to the students of Buffalo University. And then uh, we went to court. Uh, you know, obviously, the, school, uh, the college court. Uh, we had to get a lawyer. And uh, basically, they let us back in. They said, all right, these guys aren't evil. Uh, we'll just put them on probation for the rest of their careers here at Buffalo University. And uh, that's basically it. That was my freshman year, and I was a good boy ever, ever since then. So, But nobody knows about that. My parents don't even know about that. Wait, your parents didn't find out about that? No. <laughs> no. Wow, that's, that's really impressive. <laughs> I... It's... Um, all of a sudden don't feel nearly as bad for getting caught drinking in the dorms my freshman year. <laughs> yeah, I said it, it was, I remember the night clearly it was in April of 2080. We were playing, if I remember correctly, the game is called Brisk. It's one, it's a board game where you take over the world, either Risk or Brisk. I forget the name of the game. And we were playing it to like, you know, six o'clock in the morning, drinking beer all night. And like I, like I said, we, we weren't angels, but, you know, we weren't evil. And I think the school overreacted a little bit. And thankfully, the the courts, the school's court system felt the same way, too. So they let us back in. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I 
Yeah. I feel like the whole so you, podcast is taking a turn now. Yeah, it's Chain of Wolf and, uh, you know, confessions of personal finance bloggers. I didn't know you were dealing with a felon here. Uh, so that was my ignominious start to college. Well, hopefully it ended better. Yeah, yeah you know, like I said, it was, it was an aberration. And, uh, you know, it was one of those, like I said, no excuse. We, we, we deserve to be punished. Right. But expel, like I said, it was probably yeah. a little overboard. Maybe a little bit too intense. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a post recently where you talked about that you've recently moved and that you're building a house. So first off, congrats. And where are you staying you. while it's being built? Yeah, um, we, well, we were living just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, we moved down to Charlotte in 2006. And we were the first ones from New York to move to North Carolina. In 2008, my sister moved down, but she moved down to the Wake Forest area, which was about three hours north of Charlotte. So anyway, the rest of the family and cousins and friends followed my sister. So we had 14 people living up here in Wake Forest. Uh, Mrs. Groovy and I were down in Charlotte and my parents are getting up there in age and we figured it was time to, you know, you know, join the, the clan, so to speak. So we sold our house in Charlotte and uh, we bought some land in a town outside of Wake Forest. It's a rural community. It's a farming community. The town is called Lewisburg. Um, I think the population in 19, in 2010 um, census was less than 3,500 people. So it's a very rural community. Anyway, we bought three acres of land there and we're building a nice little farmhouse. In the meantime, I'm living with my parents. So just so you guys know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be 57 in October, and I'm living with my parents. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not the first pe- person to say that your parents are that age. <laughs> and you know what? If your parents are anything like my mom, they probably love it. Yes. And uh, like I said, we've been here. We moved on May 10th. We've been here for you know, coming up on a month and we love it. Really. I, I get along great with my parents. They really are fabulous people. So being here four or five months is, is not the end of the world. That's really great. So you think the house will be done in four or five months, give or take? You know, that's the game plan. We'll see, you know, we're actually, we have our builder and we're going to be signing a contract this week. Um, the builder actually sent over a, a boilerplate contract that was basically good, but there's a couple things we want changed. So we have our lawyer just tweaking it a little bit. Uh, again, nothing major. We anticipate being in contract this week. So um, if we're in contract this week, they're going to be starting next week. So this is, we're in June right now. Um, and he, and he gave us an estimate of, of five months. So I, I think we'll be in by November. Perfect. Right we'll before see. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I have to ask then, since you are in your 50s and you're living with your parents right now, is your mom doing your laundry for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, Mrs. Groovy did the laundry today. So, uh, and, and, and normally, I, I don't mean, it's just one of those things that evolved in our relationship. She does the laundry. Um, I lift heavy things. It's just something we uh, gravitate to towards naturally. And um, she's she did it today, so we're good for at least in a week. 
fantastic. Yeah. No, don't worry. We're pretty. We're pretty. Um, we like to follow gender roles here too. I do the cooking, and Dennis does like the heavy lifting and the bug killing and everything else. Yeah. And I think we both prefer it that way. <laughs> I know <Yeah>. it well. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your plan to become financially independent. Oh, that's you know that's that's very interesting because in all honesty. We didn't have a plan. I mean, our, our plan basically was to get out of New York. I mean, uh, we got married late in life and we got married like in 2002. And even though we were both working, no kids, uh, we're in our early 40s, we were struggling in New York. And the tipping point was in 2003. We had a, I owned a, a one bedroom condo on Long Island and our property taxes were $3,800. This is for a one bedroom, 600 square foot apartment. Holy moly. In 2003, our property taxes were going up to $5,400. So I turned to Mrs. Groovy and I said, what the heck are we doing in New York? And that kind of started the whole thing. And um, Basically, from that point, you know, our objective was to escape from New York. We gave ourselves three years. Uh, we chose North Carolina. And uh, basically, we were very, very lucky. We sold our condo at the height of the real estate craze. We sold it in May of 2006. And just to give you an idea where we were at that time, I bought this condo in 1998 for $70,000. We sold it in 2006 for $340,000. Holy So cow. when we moved down to North Carolina, we basically, you know, in a nutshell, we moved down with $300,000 and no debt. So that put us in a very good place. And all that fresh air and, and farmland to breathe in. Yeah, I'll, t I'll tell you a quick aside. Our first, we actually, we bought a two-bedroom condo in Charlotte. We were in the south end of Charlotte, which is, you know, the, 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 the fancy end. And although, even though we were in the city, um, it was more suburbia, but even though we were in the city, we drove 10 minutes outside of Charlotte. We were in farm country. And while we were getting our bearings, it was one night we were going to a Dairy Queen to get a, a blizzard. <laughs> and we took the wrong turn. And the next thing you know, we're looking face to face with a bull. So that was kind of, um, I guess, future shock for a New Yorker. Yeah. Wow. That would that, that'd be a little bit terrifying. <laughs> and it wasn't the bull on Wall Street. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. The, the bull on Wall Street is more scary. <laughs> so you created a checklist that people can read through and kind of check check off their day-to-day -day habits of what do I need to mm -hmm. do in order to be get, working towards financial independence? Can you tell us a little bit of those habits that people should start thinking about doing and kind of what your thought behind that was? Yeah, it's, um again, I, I don't know where it came from, but well, over the years, I've kind of come to the philosophy that Habits are destiny. Mm -hmm. So if you do something every day, it's almost like compound interest. If you do good things every day, 10 years from now, you're going to be in a very good place. 
So that's how it started. And I said, what a, if I had to do 10 things every day, even if it took me a minute, what would I have to do to be in a great place 10 years from now? So that's where it came from. And I, 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 I met, if I remember correctly in the post, I didn't want to go crazy. I said, just do it for 15 minutes or five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I came up with a list. Do you want me to read it to you? Uh, well, I know the list, but maybe, ah. <laughs> uh, maybe like one or two ones that stick out in your mind. Um, hmm, that's a good one. I think my favorite is uh, do something silly. Mm-hmm. And it's just something, especially as I get older, I, I don't, when I was younger, I used to take myself very seriously. And I look back and say, you know, I said to myself, what a jerk I was. So, I mean, we're on, we're on this planet for a very short while. And, you know, let's just have some fun. So I try to do something silly every day. And that's what I encourage people to do. And an example of something silly I do every day, I, miss, I, I, I pick Mrs. Groovy up. I'll lift her off the floor. I'll carry her up the stairs. And it's, um, like I said, it's silly, but it's fun. And I think it's, uh, you know, something, a a good habit to uh, adopt. I love that. And when I was reading (laughs) your checklist, I I saw this, I don't know, post or video or something on Facebook a while ago. And it was of maybe a general in the military. He was high ranking in the military and he was giving a speech to, I what I presume were like college graduates. And mm-hmm. he was talking about, you need to start your day every day with making your bed because no matter what happens after Amen. you make your bed, then you have accomplished something and you've done something right that day. And it's like a good way to start your day And it's also a nice way to come home and end your day where, you know, if your bed is made, then, you know, that kind of transfers to like your clothes actually making it into the basket and maybe your shoes not being all over the place. And you're, it kind of just sets the tone of like living an organized life. And oh, absolutely. That's exactly what your post reminded me of. Exactly. And, and and Katie, you you stole my thunder because. You know, you win the morning, you win the day. And for the longest time, I was oblivious to this. I remember when we first moved. Well, I'm going to tell you another thing that I don't think I've told my readers. Mrs. Groovy and I don't sleep in the same bedroom because I snore like an animal. It's it's not human. <laughs> <laughs> Do you wake you yourself know, if, up? I don't. Oddly enough, I'm okay. But I, like I said, um, I'm... Believe it or not, when, when Mrs. Groovy and I first got married, when we went on vacation, we would get two rooms. That's how bad it was. So, Holy anyway. moly. God bless her, man. That is, yeah, that she, is a lot I mean, right there. I mean, she's a saint. And what happened when we first moved down, it was the first time we had separate bedrooms. And one morning she came to me and because I never made my bed in the morning. And she came to me and she said, you're killing me. I'm in a rut. I walk out of my bedroom. I see that I get um, anxious. So out of, I guess, love for her, I started making my bed in the morning and oh my God, like I said, it just sets the tone for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, It it sounds ridiculous 
that something so simple can uh, be so advantageous. But I mean, that's, I'm right with you, Katie. I think it goes back to something you mentioned earlier about, you know, that compound interest. It's, it's a little knock-on effect that you don't really see initially, but it, it literally sets your whole day up for success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. So we have quite a lot of listeners in their 20s or 30s. So I wanted to ask you, what are one or two really important things that people need to be doing to set themselves up for financial success? That's an excellent question. And, you know, if I had to pick two things, I would say number one, get in the habit of tracking your spending. Yes, Uh, I just finished a post about that today. Okay. (laughs) Katie had a whole whole hand motion there. (laughs) I did, I did. I I celebrated that that, uh, tip you shared. Keep going. (laughs) I mean... Again, that's one of those simple things. That's kind of like making your bed. And I never did it. And once I started doing it, it was, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's an epiphany. You see where your money's going and you could see what your biggest spending categories are. And you could see where you can cut because you can cut. And until you know where the money's going, you're going to be oblivious. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be on a hamster wheel. You're going to be spending. You're not going to know what's going on. And as soon as you start tracking it, and it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. I mean, I'm using a Google Sheet. And most days, it takes me five minutes to put in the receipts from the previous day. I mean, how much am I, you know, how much am I spending? So, you know, put in two or three receipts. All right, I spent uh, $27 on groceries. And at the end of the month, you see what the heck you did with your money. And like I said, once you see where it's going, you can engage your functioning brain and reduce those areas that are, that are the most uh, troublesome, so to speak. I can't relate to that even more because I'm not even, when I check our spending, it's not even in a Google sheet. I have like a spiral little notebook that I keep in my purse mm-hmm. and every receipt I get, I just write it down and it's a relatively new thing for us. And I feel like, first of all, before we started being in the personal finance community, nobody has ever told me to track my spending. Like that was never like a, any conversation that I had with anybody. And so it took me a long time. Like I would hear it and then I would hear it again. And then it was until I heard a lot of people talk about it. And then I started reading about it in books and it has been like completely life changing. Katie, if you don't mind asking, what was your biggest surprise? When you started tracking the spending? Well, I realized why we have both gained so much weight because literally all we do is eat. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally it'd be like, okay, well we, between the two of us, uh, we spend a thousand dollars a month at the grocery store and we're going out to eat for $800 a month. And it was just like, okay. No wonder we have gained so much weight. And that's not even really like alcohol included because we don't drink out very often. We would drink at home, which I guess mm-hmm. would be like the grocery store. Mm. But right. we look, we took a look at that and it was just like sobering numbers. Like, oh my goodness, over fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a month for just eating like that is. And we're not eating wow. anything super, you know rare i mean occasionally a steak and like a lot of spaghetti (laughs) right yeah 
I, I think it just brings yeah. a sense of, you know, like a, not, not even accountability, but just awareness, I guess. You know, you, you know where your mm-hmm. money's going and, you know, you're able to sort of start focusing more on paying yourself first. And since we've sort of started developing that mentality, savings have like ballooned. Yeah, and it's been, it's actually, we sit down every Sunday morning to do our budget together. And it's kind of become like a, like a little tradition. And every Sunday morning, like at the end, we're both so pumped at like the money that we're saving and like uh, how we're staying in our budget. And if we're under budget, we want to stay under budget and everything. And it's really just like, that a different mentality than what mm-hmm. I think is often talked about. Guys, I, I'm busting here. I'm so excited because <laughs> let me ask you a, a, a quick question. Yeah. In saving money. Okay. Have you sacrificed anything? No. No. No, we haven't. Exactly. No. Mm-hmm. The only thing that like happens is you become more conscious of what you're spending money on. And you almost have a sense of, is this really what I want? Do I want this thing badly enough? Or is it something that I'm not going to get that much value from? And like, it sort of makes your perception of what is value. It it gives it a whole different meaning. I I completely agree. And like today when I was writing, there is this really delicious bakery right down um, the street (laughs) from where we live. And again, food related. And I was like, oh, I really want a muffin. And I was like, but I don't want to have to write down that I had a $4 muffin in my journal. So I just, I just went without it and $4 richer now. Dennis, I mean, you, I mean, you nailed it. That was the same exact experience that uh, Mrs. Groovy and I had. We cut our spending drastically and we felt we were living better. It takes a lot of like the riffraff out of your life. Like you, you mm-hmm. don't have all this extra just stuff floating around anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So also when reading your blog, you had oh, no. quite a catchy title for one of your posts. Uh. <laughs> I'm sure you can probably <laughs> think what you I'm You had to go there. To <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about uh, removing dingleberries from your oh, ass. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez. Um, are, you, are you familiar with a website called Wealth Well Done? Yeah, we know Billy. Okay. Oh, I love Billy. I love Billy. And I, I forgot what happened, but we, we got into a conversation about blogging blahs and, you know, we're saying the same thing over and over, over again, you know, uh, typical, you know, blogger talk. And I, I, I said to him half-heartedly or facetiously, you know, when I jump the shark or I'm ready to bail on blogging, if I come out with a, a post called uh, retirement is like removing dingleberries from your ass. <laughs> so, you know, and he laughed. I mean, it, it is funny. It's, it's you know, it's a different, you know, it's trying to make something we talk about all the time. I'll, you know, I'll give it a little twist. And I said, all right, let me do it. Although, you know, Miss. Just Groovy and I, we, you know, we have the blahs on occasion. We're, we're not in the blahs right now. We, we're not stopping blogging. So, so let me, let me do this for April Fools. And, uh, you know, I, I think the community will understand it. And they, uh, you know, they, 
you know, they are, they, I guess they accepted it. They didn't totally uh, kill me on that one. So I liked the, the one part <laughs> of it that you had in there about how saving. Oh, well, let me back up a little bit. I, <laughs> I feel like, and I don't know if it's because I was in the education, like teacher community. We always talked about how mm-hmm. the education system just like is not working. And then you went and talked about how saving is not mentioned or really taught in school. And this is something that me and Dennis go back and forth talking about a lot, how we wish that somebody would have taught us. Like you teach us all these Mm -hmm. ridiculous theories and stuff that we don't actually need to know in school. But when it comes down to it, the important things, they're just kind of like, oh, well, good luck. Hope, hope Hope you do a good job. Like, what, what is your take on that? How they don't teach oh, saving in school? And I know well, that I is mean, a super loaded question. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't do quadratic equations every day? You don't solve quadratic equations every day? Thank goodness, no. <laughs> Dennis I feel like it's my job that I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's very frustrating because I... I I never want to disrespect teachers, not because, you know, they're not perfect people, they're good people. And I, I'm not, I never, I like them. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Penny from, she picks up pennies. Are you familiar with that blog? I follow her on Twitter, but we have not gotten to talk to her. I mean, I love her. She's a teacher in Illinois, but I think it's good people in a bad system. And what frustrates me I mean, we spend a lot of money invested in our children. Uh, just to give you an idea, I grew up on Long Island. The town I grew up in, right, their, pu- their per pupil cost right now is over $25,000 per year. So I guess a child starting first grade today, by the time they're done, the taxpayers are going to invest you know, over $300,000 in this kid's education. Yeah, And what crazy. do they get for that? You know, yeah. at, at the end of 12 years, what do you know? Um, do you know how to put a sentence together? I mean, maybe you know eighth grade math. I mean, a high school diploma means nothing. And I said, I'm not blaming the teachers. I'm just saying, I wish it was more, for lack of a better term, skill-based rather than, than diploma-based. Right. You know, I wish our kids, I, I wish a high school diploma meant something. Uh, so, you know, I, like I said, I don't want to get you know off on a tangent, but that's that's my frustration. Like I said, um, you know, we have a, a consumerist society. We have, for lack of a better term, we have Madison Avenue. All these advertising—they're teaching you how to be a consumer, mm-hmm. and there's no defense of that. And we're sending our children off into that world defenseless. It's insanity. It is. It really is. It is, and then. You know, student people, kids want to go to college to get more education, and then they come out in huge amounts of debt. It's, it's mm. actually, if you sit back and think about it, it's really quite a, a twisted idea concept. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I was thinking about this the other day, believe it or not. And it was like an, <sighs> you know, an accident. It's when, you know, when college was invented, so to speak, 
it was only, it was a prep school for the elite and they had 40 classes. So very, very smart people in the fifties, sixties and seventies went through this system and it worked because, you know, only 10 or 15% of the population went through this really a system that is wasteful. I mean, most majors, I mean, I, I, I don't want to tell you about my college education. I was a sociology major, a journalism major. I have a master's in public administration. Most of the classes you take have nothing to do with your major. So you're taking 40 classes when only 10 pertain to your major. So we get the, the idea that that model works because brilliant people went to it. Well, now brilliant people aren't going. Everybody goes to college. And I'm saying, why are we forcing the, the old model on today's kids? Just let them take the 10 frigging classes that pertain to their major and call it a day. They don't have to take 40 classes. But like I said, everybody says, oh, college, you're going to earn more than you know, a high school graduate. Uh, yes. But again, that model is based on an accident. If <laughs> the old model had 10 classes, well, then everybody taking 10 classes you know, taking their 10 10 accounting classes and becoming a junior accountant. But now we go for, you know, 40 classes, four years, $60,000 in debt. And um, I mean, it really is a crime against young people. But uh, I'm like a, uh, I don't know, a lone voice in the wind. (laughs) Well, the sad thing is, I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of people feel the same way. But strangely enough, nothing is getting done about it. You know, and like I really liked your points about cutting down the amount of classes into what you actually need to know. You know, because these days, like you, you, you literally, like information is plentiful. Finding information mm-hmm. is one of the easiest things you can do these days. You whip out your phone and you have the answer to whatever question you want in half a second. You know, so why do we still live in a schooling system? where there's such a big focus on parrot learning and regurgitation. You know, it should be a lot more application-based and, you know, use a computer, get the information you need and apply it, you know? Amen. I mean, mean, Dennis, think about it. I mean, I I could be wrong, but I think probably 90% of the majors that they offer in college, you can learn that material on your own. You don't need college to learn that material. Yep. It's true. Well, uh, so yeah, I, instead of talking about debt, you also have something really cool that I had no idea about uh, before I read your blog earlier. You were talking about junior IRAs. Yeah, yeah, it, and, it's and it has a is it called a GRA? I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> JRA. You you had it a like gyra, I guess phonetically like spelled out and I still kind of struggled with it, but I read about it and I was like, this is like mind blowing because I've heard of lots of people, you know, when they have kids, they start like a college fund for them or they have some kind of like, I don't know, savings bond or something, but I didn't actually ever think about a child having an IRA. Oh man. I mean, it just makes so much sense. I, 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 again, it's another thing I get frustrated uh, if we gave each child a thousand dollars a year from the time they're zero, and stopped giving them a thousand dollars at eighteen, they, they'd ha- they'd be a millionaire by the time they're sixty-five. Uh, and like I said, I 
So I, I, like I said, in my mind, I'm saying, why for minors do we need a work requirement? I understand for adults. I mean, the individual retirement arrangement, uh, you got to have gainful employment in order to contribute to an, a, a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. But why a child? Why do we have a work requirement? Just let grandparents, parents, uncles, you know, aunts, you know, throw $100 into their junior IRA. And, you know, you, you can cap it. You could say the most you can get for a junior IRA is a, is $1,000 a, a year. And like I said, just for example, I have cousins, their kids, they have stuff up to their eyeballs, toys, games, mm-hmm. you know, the whole, you know, gamut of stuff. You can't even walk in the why house I, almost. Yeah, it's like I said, why do I want to give them more, you know, give them a, a, a what's called a gift card to Walmart? There's more stuff. I'd rather give them, I'd rather put $50 in our, in our IRA come Christmas. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started. And the thing is, it makes so much sense. It will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great point, though. <laughs> It is. And we, me and Dennis were actually talking like an hour ago about how it seems as though you're almost penalized for being younger. Like you don't get the high salaries and you don't get, you know, the great bonuses and you don't get all this stuff Mm -hmm. until you are older. And it just, it's tough. It makes saving and paying off debt and everything early that much harder. And I don't know how people have kids today. Yeah, me either. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, like I said, I, oh, we, we were listening to today. I forget which uh, episode it was. It's killing me because you guys had a great episode. Maybe it was with uh, Steve from uh, Think Save Retire. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about uh, childcare costs. It's scary. Yeah. Oh, it's nuts. It terrifies me to even think about it. My brother has three small kids and between daycare and like tuition for the kids to go to private school, he told me like the, mm-hmm. the amount that he pays is just an education. Like that's not even feeding them. And it's three little boys. They eat like grown men already. And I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine. Like, I am so sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, it is, like I said, it's unfortunate and, uh, what makes it even more unfortunate? It's not changing anytime soon. Yeah, it's very true. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to end on a high note then. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Chainers, if you're looking for ways to decrease your rent, one way of doing that is with Airbnb. If you haven't already looked into it, head over to chainofwealth.com slash Airbnb. Also, Katie actually recently created a course called Hosting Your Pad for anyone that is interested in Airbnb. The course is currently selling for $297 and you can grab a quick discount if you go to the page. So definitely check out hostingyourpad.com. All right, Mr. Groovy. So why do you think people struggle to achieve their dreams? That's an excellent question. And um, I mean, for me, when I struggled, I focused on the prize rather than the process. And let me give you an example. Um, I can say, I'm going to write a book. 
or I can say, I'm going to write 200 words a day. If I focus on writing on writing the book, every day brings failure because every day the book isn't finished. But if I focus on writing 200 words a day and I keep that going, every day is a victory. And if I continue having victories, the odds are I'll keep going and I will eventually get to that book. So I think a lot of people, like I said, they focus on the prize and they don't focus on the process. If they would just stick to the process and say, hey, what are the little things I have to do every day to get to where I'm going to go? Uh, have my little victories. And well, just for example, I'm writing an ebook. I mean, it's as Mrs. Groovy said, no one's going to read it, but I'm writing a, an ebook. And when I was writing the book, I, could, I couldn't get any traction until I said, all right, I'm not writing a book anymore. I'm just going to write 200 words a day. And then voila, after three months, I got the bones of a book. So that's my answer. What do you think of that one? It's, I think that's great. It's all about the mini, the mini milestones. You got to make the celebrations while you're doing it. Yeah. Like I said, what, what, what was, uh, what was it? Jerry Seinfeld. He said he wrote, he wrote a book, not a book, a, a joke every day. And he didn't want to break the chain. And eventually he became a, you know, a phenomenal comedian. I think it's the same way. Just look at the little things, do them every day. And the big things will come. Small steps really do add up. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend? Well, you know, and tell you the truth, I used to be a, um, for lack of a better term, a big podcast guy. I listened to, you know, Tim Ferriss, um, what's his name, Altucher, um, you know, uh, who's, who are the other guys who are great? Uh, it's killing me. Now you got me thinking. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't uh, be a, it, a financial podcast if you didn't have to think. Yeah, it's killing me. Um, oh, Stacking Benjamins. I, I, I pull a pant. I used to listen to all the big people. And believe me, those guys are great. I'm not taking anything away from them. But now, and I, and I don't mean to insult you guys, I listen to the the newer The little podcasts. guys. The little guys. I, I listen to yourself, <laughs> Choose FI, Countdown to FI, Fire Drill. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with those podcasts. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why... I like them because they get, you know, again, for lack of a better term, the little people on. And I find the little people more interesting than the big people. You know, I, I don't need to listen to the guy. I mean, I'm tired of listening to the, you know, the, the founder of Google or the, you know, the founder of PayPal. I love listening to, like I said, I, I had a, you know, I don't know if you saw that uh, post I had about a, a CMLT. Does that ring a bell? No. I'm getting crickets. Uh, <laughs> CMLT, it stands for a Chris Matthews leg tangle. I don't know if you if you remember that reference. No. All right, that, all right. one, that one's uh, past me. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, Chris Matthews, a commentator on MSNBC, and he said that when he heard an Obama speech in 19, uh, 2008. So he, I call it the Chris Matthews leg tangle. I got that the other day when you guys were, when I listened to your podcast with Matt from Optimize Your Life. I mean, I love listening to, like I said, the, you know, it sounds horrible, the little people, but they're more interesting. Yeah, they definitely have very interesting stories. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> well, and I also think it brings into perspective how many people there are. Yeah. 
because, you know, you hear about this person, that person, you hear about all the same people all the time. And then you actually listen to people like, well, that could be your neighbor or that could be the person on your son's like little league team or something like it's more. Exactly. It's more. more relatable. Relatable. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Agreed. So, yeah, so that's that's my kick now. I don't I'm I'm boycotting the big guys and I'm I'm going with the little guys. (laughs) We love that. (laughs) <laughs> so do you have a favorite quote i uh, yes i do and it's um uh, you probably heard it before discipline is freedom i haven't heard that, that particular ringing? one before but i can definitely get behind it yeah it was a, a navy seal jocko willink i believe he's pronounced his last name actually i, I heard him on a tim ferris podcast and he said discipline is freedom and I mean, I, I think he nailed it. It's a, you know, in three words, it says really all you need to know. Yeah. And it's so true. Definitely. Awesome. Mr. Groovy, we absolutely loved hanging out. Do you have any other last parting pieces of, of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Uh, my last advice to people, and it, it worked really well for me. Uh, fix yourself before you fix the world. Uh, when I was younger, you know, I was railing against all the injustices of the world. And uh, I thought that was what was holding me back. Uh, I never looked at, uh, you know, uh, being a lazy bum was holding me back. And once I fixed myself, I, I started doing okay. It's very true. It always starts at home. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Chain, as we've been hanging out with Mr. Groovy, you can check out his website, freedomisgroovy.com. And definitely have a look at it. There's some great advice on there and some very entertaining articles. Chainers, we're pumped we got to hang out with you today. And we would love to continue the conversation with you on Twitter. So you can reach us at Chain of Wealth on Twitter. So let us know what you think of the show or any suggestions. We welcome all criticism, positive and negative. So definitely hit us up. We'll catch you on the flip side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.